Salt and Rock, episode 11. Aaron continued. So we left off last week right after we made the correlation between Aaron's disobedience and his inability to enter into the promised land. So we're going to pick up right after that. So Moses comes down, uh, sees the calf, all that, goes back up, gets the second set. Right. I'm curious if those changed. I've always wondered this. What was in the first Ten Commandments? Or what was in the first what, commandments? What, what was on the first two tablets? Right. What was on the first two tablets? What if it was just nine? Yeah. What if idols wasn't on there? I, I mean, I don't know. Right. Probably heretical. Right. So, but <laughs> hey, I've That's always good. I've never even thought what was on the first, I've always, first tablets. I've always wondered that. I don't. Because when he went back up, did he add one because of what they just did? I may, maybe, maybe not. I feel like it's one of two things. It's either God changed the rules mm-hmm. because he needed to yeah. because of their actions or there was growth in there for Moses, oh. for Moses to go back up. And and maybe it's that. We don't talk about it as much in the Old Testament. But what what do we claim, What do we talk about now that God wants? God wants a relationship with us. Right. He doesn't want us to go through motions. He doesn't he wants an intimate personal relationship with us. And he had that with Moses. Mm-hmm. Moses is only like the second person to, to be able directly. to speak yeah. directly to God. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I feel like if there wasn't if there wasn't something changed or God didn't want Moses to come back up for a reason, he would have just miraculously fixed the tablets. Exactly. Like Yeah. <laughs> we we serve a miraculous God. So I mean, he's done a lot of stuff in these stories. Right. So I feel like it's got to be one of those two things. Either he's he's changing what's he, what he's putting on the tablets or he wants Moses to come back up and maybe it's just he wants to come back up to spend more time with him. Yeah. Because he's finally Got to spend time with somebody. Get to hang out. I don't know. It's a God so, buddy. So we get the second set of scrolls. Shortly thereafter, Aaron and Miriam question Moses about his leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surely hasn't God spoken through both of us? Da 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 da. da. Wouldn't he tell us if he's going to tell you? So, <laughs> right. And so Miriam gets leprosy. Aaron intercedes for Miriam. Miriam's healed seven days later, um, which I think is a sign of. It's a God thing. Seven, seven days. Seven days is seven. an important number. So from there, then we go into Moses follows through and says, hey, we're going to anoint Aaron. We're going to give you this position. You're the high priest. I'm going to train you how to be the high priest. Right. For a short time, we we attribute first high priest as as known as the high priest to be to being Aaron. We had this debate before we started rolling, but um, technically. Technically. Technically, Moses was the had it for priest. seven days. He was the high priest for seven days because it's a secession, right? Like almost everything else with God, there's a there's a there's an order. There's an order that right. you have to follow. Yeah. So Moses becomes the high priest for seven days, so he can pass it on to Aaron. So he can teach him how. And it's established yep. that you have to be a son of Aaron to be a priest or a high priest. And so that's where we get this Aaronite lineage that comes out of the Levitical lineage. So you have Levites that are ordained to work in the church. They are serving clergy positions. They're serving janitorial positions, bookkeeping positions, knowledge of the Torah. But then out of the the Levite tribe, you have the sons of Aaron that are established as priests and high priests. So Moses calls Aaron out, and he's going to go through the anointing process. He's passed his robes to him. He goes through this anointing. You have all the other priests. They come up. They light this, They light incense. They do the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Two of his sons give a strange incense. Strange, strange. is, yeah. 
strange is in, in is the key word there and i don't i don't know what strange is um, i don't know either i think the the biggest takeaway from this is that it's it's just not what god ordained right it was incense in strange the, in just the sequence either i different. mean they didn't follow it was strange it was out of the ordinary and uh both of his sons died you know the one that presented the uh strange incense uh they both died and then from there aaron he holds his peace he's asked to not mourn but to hold his peace, and he does. Nedab and Abihu are burnt. God sends fire. Right. Just through. It says through his through their nostrils. <laughs> like right. wow, what a way to be burned up. Yeah. And so we talked in uh, I believe it was Jonathan. We talked about not killing the everybody when God sent him to to go in and kill the king and everybody. We brought up obedience is better than sacrifice. Right. It's actually First Samuel fifteen twenty two to obey is better than sacrifice. And we get back to that. I think we see it on both sides of this. Mm-hmm. One, Aaron doesn't lose his temper, doesn't get mad when his sons die. His obedience is good. But the other right. side of it is that his sons are still giving a sacrifice. Right. So, like, they're they're doing everything that they're supposed to do almost. Almost. Right. They bring this incense that's not ordained. And I, I think that's a that's a thing. I mean, right. regardless of what it is, you have uh, around here, we have Native Americans that, that burn sage. That, right, you know, when they're yeah. doing a cleansing, they burn sage. They're not coming in burning lavender. Nope. There's, there's a reason they burn sage. There's things. an ordained thing that happens in all religions. Right. You see, a son's not do that. Aaron handles it right. As as men, as people, as Christians, my wife keeps telling me to stop saying as men because she's like, "You're getting some women listening to your podcast." We do have some women listening yeah, so, to it. <laughs> uh, but as Christians, what we have to remember is you're better off to obey. You can sacrifice, 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 but obedience can be better. Exactly. Obedience is better than intercession. We're learning a lot about obedience we, today. We are. So he's appointed as high priest. You get some arguing shortly thereafter. Aaron and Miriam question Moses, and then later the Israelites question whether Aaron was supposed to be the high priest. Mm-hmm. And so what Moses did is he said, all right, of the 12 tribes, get your staff. Yeah. Write your carve your leader's name on it yep. and bring them here. I do remember that. They now. placed them in front of the tabernacle overnight. Aaron's staff not only budded, but, but it grew. It grew fresh almonds. I'm not a master gardener. Do almonds natively grow in the Egyptian wilderness? I have no idea. So <laughs> I didn't I, do that research. And so I thought about trying to fi- figure it out, but I figured it'd be a, a big stretch. But anyway, they can always send us a comment. They don't grow overnight typically. So Aaron's staff. Buds grows almonds. It turns into an almond tree. Then subsequently, I think it's the, I don't remember what tribe it is. One of the tribes then um, takes the almonds from that staff and milks them. Hmm. And it's the first quart of almond milk in the Bible. I could get my... (laughs) um, Oh, I couldn't even keep a straight face. Cold brew with almond milk. Right. Could have. I don't know if these particular almonds had had nipples or not. I heard you can milk anything that's got a nipple. (laughs) Anyway, after that, that kind of snuffs out the questions, um, but it doesn't necessarily fix the issue, you know? Yeah. Forgetful bunch the Israelites are. Um, so sh- or sometime later, the Israelites go to go to war with Amalek. Mm-hmm. Moses tells Joshua, I'm going to stand on this hillside. Watch me. Yep. And what we find is that as Moses raises his arms, they're they winning. They win. They're winning. They win. Uh, and as his arms comes down, they start losing. Anyone who's been through a long Pentecostal worship. Oh, those arms get heavy. Yep, they do. <laughs> Very heavy. 
I have no muscles in my shoulders, and I get tired at Sunday service. Four, so. <laughs> four or five extra verses of Amazing Grace, and you're done. And your traps, they're burning, are burning. Yeah, they're burning. So just like that, Moses's arms get tired, and so Aaron and her stand behind him and hold his arms up. Right, they support him. They gave him support. Um, that's another shout out to us today. Because how many times are we fighting a battle? And we need somebody to support and us. And we don't need somebody to fight the battle. No. We need somebody to help hold us up. Correct. You know, how many times are you going through emotional stuff where all you need is somebody to be back there so that you can know that somebody's behind you? Providing some empathy. Right. So, I, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Need somebody there. You need an ally. From there, there the next little thing that happens, there's an uprising, Korah and his followers, and I'm assuming that's the last uprising, thinking that Moses and Aaron shouldn't be the ones called. Yeah, because, probably right before entering the promised land. Because like we talked about with uh, David, uh, you got 12 brothers, and all their descendants are all stuck together in the woods. They're all irritated. Right. Um, at this point, we're probably 15 years in. I mean... Yeah. You're probably halfway or so, maybe, maybe longer than that, maybe not that long, but I would say we're at least at halfway point. They're frustrated, and so... Definitely. Well, who are they blaming? They're blaming Moses. The person at the front of the pack. So so you've got these, these guys that come up. There's a plague. People start dying. So Moses looks at Aaron and says, I need you to stand in the gap. Aaron takes a censer. Um, this is number 16, 17. The censer, if you think of a, the Pope. Okay. Or a... Yeah. Uh, it's the incense swinging incense burners, right. a censer. Several different variations of that, but it burns incense. You hold it. He stands between the living and the dead during this plague, and it's it's what saves the living from the plague. So, oh wow! So he stands in the gap, and you see this support role again. And I put in my notes. Sometimes the priests are going to set boundaries. So whether it's you know Old Testament setting boundaries or your pastor setting boundaries through counseling or through Sunday sermons or whatever the situation, right. you have people in your life, back to the kings and priests from first episode, you've got priests that are standing in the gap and they're helping you set boundaries to keep yourself safe right. from death. So Interesting. Um, so I thought, that was, I thought that was a neat little thing. Then we talked about his lineage is already established or his lineage was established as high priests. So that's kind of like that's wrapping up. What, what we hear about him, the, mm-hmm. the last thing that we hear is we actually, it talks about him dying. So 123. Yeah. So at 123, he almost just like can see they're probably, I would over s- the next hill. I mean, <laughs> I would, I would say that they're on the hill. Yeah. Looking, lo- looking, looking, looking in, looking at the promised land. He yeah. can see the milk. He can see the honey. He can see, remember them talking about grapes that were like grapefruits. Yeah. You know, coming back two people carrying a stock of grapes. Sounds uh, tasty. Yeah, so you've got this this giant fruit about to be delivered to your people, and, and he he can see it, but he doesn't make it. He doesn't get to go. So walk us through what happens. So what I read was that when when it was time for Aaron to pass on, um, Moses comes to his tent and calls him out, and Aaron's like, "Hey, what's up? What do you want to do?" And he's like, "Hey, let's go. Let's let's take the." Uh, I think it was Joshua was there. I think, let's go up the mountain. And Aaron's like, well, what's going on? And so they go up the mountain and they leave Joshua behind. They get a little bit further up. Aaron's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, I think you know. You know what's going on. So it's it's that time. Then you have Aaron who goes, oh, I remember that. Because of what I've done earlier, I don't get to go to the promised land. And so I think that's when he passes. He lays down and he passes. And so then, he, then Moses goes back down and, and explains to everybody that Aaron has now passed. And at first they don't they they are in disbelief, but you know the truth is that he passed. And there's one more thing 
that happens in that exchange. That's when he passes his robes to Eleazar. Uh, Moses takes him to the top. He removes his priestly garments, right. puts them on Eleazar, and then Moses and Eleazar come back down the mountain. And I, th- I think that's a, that's a pivotal point in the future of Israel because that establishes who's going to secede Aaron right. as the next high priest. So, so, so training, you know, training future high priests of the courts, you know, I mean, right. that, that is, that was the entire process. I mean, God, Aaron, I mean, God, Moses, Aaron, Aaron's sons, and then the uh, Sanhedrin, the courts. So, I mean, all right. of the training came through this process. And we, we skimmed through that a little quick, but you were telling me, what was the time frame on that? Because they didn't go through it w- just once. No, yeah, it was like, so God taught Moses, Moses taught Aaron, Aaron taught his sons, the future high priest. And then the Sanhedrin and high court. And then Aaron learned the Torah from Moses four times. His sons learned it three times. The court learned it twice. And everybody else once. Pretty cool. I I like that it's... Secession. It trickles down. Yeah. It's not just a, okay, well, I'm going to show you this once and hopefully you get it. But yeah, so from there... We know that Moses doesn't live much longer after that. No. because I mean, Aaron. He doesn't make it to the promised land either. But that's the thing is that we see Aaron and Moses both living through grace because several times they both were disobedient. Right. Moses lost his temper. He did. You know, Moses has got that thorn in the side like Paul. Aaron is just disobedient. It's not, a, it's not an anger thing, I don't think. I think it's just a, maybe it's a frustration thing. You know, the golden calf. I can't imagine after everything that Aaron's been through walking beside Moses and him just being, okay, Whatever. Let's let's build the calf. I feel like it's got to be uh <sighs> yeah. Fine. Yeah. Let's fine. Do, fine. fine. Whatever, I'll do dude. It. I'll do it. <laughs> and that that may be why um there's some some questioning on whether or not he actually built the calf, but I don't I don't have any doubt that he built the calf because you don't see another solid reason as to why he wouldn't have he was there. Why he wouldn't have entered Canaan. He you know, was in but, he was in in leadership. <laughs> yeah, because he questioned like the other thing that they did that was questionable in this time is when he and Miriam questioned whether Moses was the only one here from God or not. Right. But I don't think that's enough to keep him out. I, it it comes back to the calf. Right. It's got to be the calf. I would think so. Because that's Aaron and Miriam calling him out. is It's a tough thing. I mean, obviously Miriam um, got leprosy over it, but it's not something that I would say, okay, well, that's... Because basically Canaan's like the earthly version of heaven. Yeah. It's not the same, but it's it's that parallel again. It's where they wanted and to be. Yeah, it's like the... It's what God promised This them. is our destination. This is the vision. And so like you ha- there has to be something big enough for him for it to be a reason for him to not be able to get that vision. And I think... The reason for that is because he lost the vision of where they were going. And so the punishment there, the discipline for that, is that he doesn't get God's vision or doesn't get to live in live what, God's in, vision. Live in right. what God had envisioned for his people. Right. So that that makes sense to me, although it wouldn't be the first time I was wrong. Nope. So if you look at this this timeline, this arc of Aaron's life, you see two major, major things. A couple different times, and you can look at them a couple different ways. First, The first one is obedience, though. Aaron's, right. Aaron's obedient. He's very obedient. Um, right up until he's not. Right. But you learn obedience even through his mistakes, mm-hmm. which we talk about this a lot. You have to learn from your mistakes. Um, the first first time you see obedience is when he accepted his call. Yep. Uh, there was no no question. He immediately said, okay, God, let's here, do it. Here I am. I'm a willing I, vessel. I'm it. We talk a lot as, as Christians about equipping the called. Right. And yeah. not necessarily calling the equipped. Moses didn't live that life. Mm-hmm. He definitely argued that he wasn't equipped to be called, um, and that's why I think we saw Aaron brought in to be the voice. 
right to be a support later um so support would be a second yeah would be the the other point of that you know he he supports Moses throughout his entire ministry but specifically in a couple different situations exactly we see him when he's holding his arms up that's just that's such a, a powerful image to me obedience again um uh, when his son's son's passed away um we saw it through his sons we saw it through his response and then we see that that final arc where he is interceded for by by Moses, but he wasn't obedient when it came to that golden calf and it yeah. kept him out of the promised land. Yep. So I think the big takeaway is got to be obedient regardless of what's going on. Regardless uh, of your circumstances, if you're obedient and you don't you don't have to have that intercession, it's going to keep you out of trouble. Accepting call, accepting your call is just a form of obedience. Mm-hmm. So I think Aaron could be considered the cornerstone of obedience. You see him obedient for so long, and then you see how big of an impact it is when he's not. Right, that's good. Thanks for joining us today on Salt and Rock. If you liked what you heard, feel free to reach out to us at saltplusrock at gmail.com. That's all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a contributor to Salt Plus Rock, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com slash saltplusrock. Once again, all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K, where you can give a contribution as small as $5. Hey, every little bit helps.